Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. No, especially not in France. Oh, please stand with me, France. Welcome to the Foreign Affairs Podcast, episode 115, proving since 2014 that two idiots on the internet can have a podcast. You were reminded that earlier this week. That's an inside joke that literally only we will get. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I am Edward Green, joined by my call in crime, Wes Bradshaw on the other end. And we do have a great jam-packed show for you today. We are going to be wrapping up. It seems like we've been doing this forever, but we are finally wrapping up Euro 2016 with the heartbreak at the Saint-Denis-Stade de France. We'll also then be going over, uh, speaking of forever things, our team grades from the 2015-16 Premier League season. We'll be doing teams five through one today. Uh, we also have news and notes chock full of stuff uh, from managers, discussions, uh, Big Sam for England, Jurgen Klinsmann for England. Who knows anymore? Uh, but Sunderland isn't too happy about it. And, of course, we'll also get Watch 4 and So Raw. And we do, of course, want to let you know that this podcast is presented by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. Also, I'm next to you, USA. Are you the next Beyonce? Are you the next LeBron? Are you the next The Tenor? I heard they're probably looking for a fourth. So if you are, go to imnextusa.com and sign up and get noticed today. You can also find them on Twitter at imnextusa. Find us on Twitter at AFAPod, at Wes Bradshaw, 21 and at Edward Green. Wes, to the football. To the football, all right, we start with our only match. Well, there is a second match we'll talk about, but we'll discuss that more in news and notes. Uh, the, the main uh, sumptuous meal from this past weekend, West Portugal won, France nil. In added extra time, he dare. He can't score in Swansea, so what? He'll score Euro 2016 winning goals, as he did in the 109th minute, beating Hugo Lloris, France's captain on a shot from well outside the box, given lots of space by that France back line and winning it for Portugal at the death. France coming out of this match like a house of fire for the first 20 minutes and also catching fire was Cristiano fake Ronaldo's legs as he eventually did have to leave the game due to an injury. After that, it kind of looked like France literally had no idea what to do at that point as they struggled for just about the remainder of the match. 
Uh, however, that's not to say that they did not have their chances. Antoine Griezmann, for the second time in the span of about two months, will be kicking himself after a major final for another golden chance to win something. And of course, it was also the post unkind to André-Pierre Guignac, uh, who we of course love from France, who makes his trade down in Mexico. So Wes, um, much like the reverse that happened in Portugal back in 2004, when they were heavy favorites against the Greeks and were summarily defeated, Portugal comes in as heavy underdogs to France, a very partisan France crowd at the Stade de France, and uh, in the 109th minute, he dare shut them up. The best part about it, uh, because, you know, Ed, for you and I, the narrative changed about 25 minutes into the match, where uh, I believe we were both pulling for France just so Ronaldo wouldn't win, to when Ronaldo goes out with a knee injury, both of us saying, oh my God, I think I'm pulling for Portugal now. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously... Almost as big a story as Portugal actually winning the tournament was Cristiano Ronaldo going out in the, I believe it was the 24th minute with a uh, knee ligament strain. Um, actually, to give some credit to Ronaldo, you know, I mean, the guy was down. You could tell he was in pain. He tried to come back in. He tried to give it a go. It just wasn't going to happen for him on the day. And he goes out and, you know, to Portugal's credit, yeah, here's the thing, though. To Portugal's credit, they didn't really have to change their game plan. I mean, this was a Portugal team who's, you know, their their strategy throughout this whole tournament was we're going to play really good defense, we're going to play the dark arts, uh, we're going to try to keep you to no goals, and we're going to try to steal one late. And um, they, they left it for really late this time to steal one, but they do it. Um, Ronaldo is credited with giving um, a, an extremely spirited halftime speech. Um, the uh, the with, with the cameras yearning for something interesting to happen in extra time, Ronaldo, of course, limped out of the locker room and kind of made himself the de facto coach of Portugal. Um, so, uh, you know, some, some people tongue-in-cheek saying, you know, Ronaldo couldn't win it as a player, but he's won it as a coach. Uh, and uh, then in true Ronaldo form, after Portugal uh, wins the match, Ronaldo uh, takes off his shirt. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, Portugal, I say Portugal were deserved winners. <clears throat> there was a lot of blowback on this match. A lot of people hated it. I didn't hate this match. I mean, I just, I thought it was a tactical battle. I mean, if you're Portugal with your best player, who's arguably the best player in the world, he goes out with an injury. I mean, what makes people think that they're going to suddenly play this open style of, of football? Well, and I'll add two points to that quickly. Um, I've been arguing with people apparently this entire week about how that in this situation, for this Portugal team in this match, Cristiano Ronaldo getting hurt and getting subbed out was actually probably a good thing. Like, it, it helps you on defense. He, he's not going to track back normally. He, he's not going to track back with an actual injury. I mean, we saw it. We, we didn't watch together, but we watched at the same time the Champions League final from two months ago. And I relate to you after that. I, I, I read some stuff and watched some stuff. His lack of defense 
directly led to Atletico Madrid equalizing in that match. So, so the idea that now, not only do you put somebody healthy in to replace him, but you put in someone who is more committed defensively, this helps Portugal's game plan, this helps France, or it incredibly hurts France. And I also say to this, to the people who said this wasn't a watchable match, I will give them that if it had kept going the way the first 20 minutes did, I, I would say this would have been a phenomenal match. But France, for whatever reason, after, and you can maybe say it's because they had one less day after they beat Germany in the, uh, the other semifinal, um, they had one less day of rest, they just immediately took their foot off the gas, and and to this day, I have no idea why they did that. You know, <clears throat> the injury to Ronaldo, like you said, it, it did. I wouldn't say it was a, you know, a, a good injury by any means. You know, taking taking the best player in the tournament off the field. Um. That's never a good thing. But, you know, like you said, what what may have happened to Portugal if Ronaldo had stayed on that match is it would have been a little more of an open, free-flowing match. Now, trust me, I mean, Portugal was never going to be- suddenly become, you know, a 1970 version of Brazil by any means. You know, not that kind of open, flowing football. But, you know, they would have maybe been a little more loose thinking we can hit Ronaldo on a, on a counter, we can get out, try to do a few things. And if that happens, there's a much better chance that France maybe pips one or two goals. And then we have the same narrative at the end of the day. Well, you know, Portugal just not good enough to get it done. But with Ronaldo going out, they were forced to they were forced to go into that defensive shell. I mean, you can't once again you can't blame them at all. <laughs> you know, you you lose basically your one goal scorer. What are you what the hell else are you gonna do? Your one creative force, there he goes. Um, so I, I give Portugal credit. I thought it was a good coaching job. Uh, you know, nobody ever likes to uh, give credit for defensive coaching, but that's what Portugal did. Portugal did the only thing they could do. I mean, this was a team that, you know, yeah, Eder hit that shot. It's not like anybody's suddenly knocking down Eder's door saying, oh, God, please come to us. You know, he's no Robinson, he's no Robinson Canoe by any chance or by any means. But, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't a match that was going to change anyone's mind about Brazil, uh, Portugal's attacking options. And when your main one goes, you know, you sit back. I, I truly think Portugal was probably sitting there thinking, okay, let's just get the penalties that's worked for us so far. Um, and instead, you know, Edair is able to steal one with about 11 minutes left, and then they hold on to get the victory. Um but I think with Ronaldo going, you've also got to think that I'm sure France's game plan revolved around stopping Cristiano Ronaldo. And suddenly Ronaldo was gone, and I almost wonder if France was like, wait a minute, did this just get too easy for us? And like you said, if they may have just a hint pulled their foot off the pedal and never really got it back. Well, and I, I do agree with that. I think I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of confusion. I'm sure a lot of France's young back line with you, know, you guys like um, the Samuel Umtiti, who looks like he's going over to Barcelona. Um, maybe, the, 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 as you said, the game plan probably engulfed completely around stopping Cristiano Ronaldo as well as, to a lesser extent, Nani. 
um, the two go, going forward. Much yeah, much lesser extent. Many eye rolls directed his way. Um, and, and, and once that changed, with Nani, Nani basically being the lone striker from then on, I do agree that there, there was a change, you know, maybe some confusion, but at the end of the day, Deschamps has to get his men in at the half, because, I mean, as you said, Ronaldo goes off around the 24th, 25th minute, and at that point, Deschamps has to kind of say, okay, guys, there, there, there's no way they're going to be pressing us, there's no way they can really attack us, you know, I know Ronaldo's out, so this is what we're going to do, you guys mark Nani, and, and, if, and if one of them beats us on a winner, great, but we're going to keep high-pressing the ever-loving crap out of them and forcing them into a mistake. And they just didn't do it when, for the first 20 minutes or so, it looked like they were going to just completely overwhelm Portugal. And, you know, now getting off Portugal and just talking about France now, I mean, how disappointed are you if you're a French fan? I mean, you watch your team pretty much take apart. I mean, they take apart the uh, the world champions in the semifinals. Uh, everything looks like it's just perfectly set up for them. They're at home. You know, this is the tournament that they've been building for. And then they, after that 20-25 opening minutes, to me, they just laid an egg. I mean, they had some opportunities, but this was a French team that when – to me, when Ronaldo went down, France should have smelled blood. They should have been up 2-0 at the half and just cruising on home in that match. But instead, they let Portugal hang around. They let them keep themselves in the match. And then, you know, don't, don't ever underestimate this. You know, <laughs> all of the pressure in the world was on France in this match. I mean, here you are. You're the pre-tournament favorites. You're playing at home. You, you know, you've beaten Germany. You're playing a Portugal team who, um, under really no circumstances, is as good as you. And then they lose their best player, and they're certainly nowhere near as good as you. All the, all the pressure in the world was on France. All Portugal had to do was defend. And I just, in the final especially, I saw, I saw French buttocks holes pucker. Um, you know, just. I mean, to me, they didn't even look like the same team that played Germany in the semis. You know, that was a team that was confident, was on the front foot, was wary of, you know, what Germany could do, but went into that match like, hey, Germany, we're going to kick your ass, and we're going to do it all over the field, and we're not going to let you breathe, and we're going to beat you. Just be ready, because we're going to beat you. And this Portugal match where it should have been the same way, it shouldn't have even been that close. It was almost like they were like, okay, just don't screw this up. You know, that, that kind of seemed like their attitude was, we, we can't screw this up. We've got it. We just can't screw it up. And when you're playing, when you're playing and second guessing yourself, that, um, that can spell trouble. And, you know, it absolutely seemed to uh, spell out the doom of the French national team. Certainly. Um, what, what do we make of Antoine Griezmann? He wins the Golden Boot, scores six goals, twice as many as any other player. Uh, is named team, uh, player of the tournament. Uh, Renato Sanchez was named young player of the tournament for Portugal. Um, but, again, as, as mentioned earlier, has a chance, as he did in the Champions League final. The Champions League final had a chance, uh, I believe in the 50th minute, to convert a penalty to tie Real Madrid. Missed that one. 
And now uh, here had the uh, the 80th minute header that all he has to do is just get it on target and France wins the match. And he just skies it over the bar. Um, some people were kind to him, you know, with, with just being brutal for the young kid. Uh, others, others, uh, I did like this tweet uh, because this was the classic leave yourself room at the end to, to, to call backsies. Uh, this is by Rafael Hernandez, Rafael H117. Yes, I'm going to call you out specifically. Uh, players that have no grit or character to step up finals aren't half as good as people think, and he hit, fits that profile until he changes. I like those last three words, until he changes, so that if people come back to him and show him this tweet when he wins uh, the World Cup for France in two years, he's like, well, he changed. Hey, I wasn't wrong. He changed. So good on yourself, Raphael, for giving yourself a little out there. Very, very brave of you on your hot take. Um, but but what do we make of, of Greatsman? I mean, it, certainly you can't lay the entire failure of France to win this game at his feet. Um, I think you have to lay some of it on Deschamps, who his two best players, he couldn't play at the same time in the same format because of who they are. You know, you, you couldn't play Griezmann and Pogba at the same time how they want to play, which is partly his problem and partly just a, well, you're kind of screwed problem. Just to start off, you know, uh, Griezmann, Man, I think Griezmann's fantastic. I think he is. Um, I think he's one of the twenty best players in the world easily. Um, I think he. I think he can make a. You can make a case for him to be one of the ten best players in the world. I mean, it's it's just one of those things. I mean, we sit here, we look at it. You know, I mean, didn't didn't the greatest player in the world, Lionel Messi? I mean, didn't he just somewhat have the same thing happen to him? Even worse, because his, I mean, was in a penalty shootout. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Griezmann at least was, I mean, his, Griezmann's header at least did take skill to have accomplished. I mean, there was, I mean, he was having to jump in the air and all this and all that. Messi's, God bless him, I love him, but he just, he just missed a penalty. I mean, that's all he did. Well, well, and I mean, I guess it just goes to say, I mean, hey, look at, you know, let's bring Ronaldo. Don't forget Ronaldo's penalty miss here in the tournament. That's true. I mean, everybody everybody fucks up every once in a while. It happens. I, I mean, that's the thing. You know, we all, a lot of us live in this FIFA world where I score 70 goals a year for FIFA, on FIFA. You know, why the hell can't you do it in real life? Well, it's because these are actual, you know, uh, world-class athletes who, you know, no matter how world-class you are, as you said, everybody has mistakes. Nobody goes undefeated in this sport. Um, and Greetsman, unfortunately for Greetsman, he's had two on really big stages. And they've kind of come back, and, and they're haunting him right now. But, you know, Antoine Greetsman is 25 years old. He, he's, he's, he's still in the, I would say he's not quite midway to his prime yet. But he, he is in his prime years. Okay, that means when he goes to the World Cup in two years, he's going to be 27 years old. That is that's absolute prime time right there. 27 years old. Two years after that, he'll still be in his 20s. He'll be 29 at the next Euros. This guy has a lot of time left to, uh, I guess, uh, atone for these mistakes that he's made. Um, you know, we we I think we've learned with football over the years. Don't judge a guy always by what have you done for me lately. 
I mean, just you know, take one of my favorite guys, Luis Suarez. You know, if we judge, if we did definitive judging of Luis Suarez every time he pulled some shit, what would we think of Luis Suarez? Um, you know, the same with Ronaldo, the same with Neymar, the same with Messi, the same with uh, Zlatan. You know, if you listen to the English media, Zlatan's the worst player ever because you know he's never scored a Champions League goal in England. Well, guess what? He's about to score a shit ton of goals in England this year. So, you know, that, that narrative that narrative's about to change. Um, you know, never just never never stamp a guy based on one or two moments. You know, you know, wait for them, you know, wait for the career to play out. You know, people call Ronaldo a choker. You know, oh, he can he can't win the big one with Portugal. Well, you know, for however you want to look at it, it's going down in history that Ronaldo just won the Euros. So, you know, that narrative's gone. You know, there's a really good chance in two years Argentina might win the World Cup, and then the narrative that Messi can't win in Argentina, that narrative's gone. Um, I think it's – I just think you got to wait till somebody's done before you can just totally say what they are or if they're good, if they're great, if they're shit. If they're whatever, because just so many things happen throughout a career. I mean, yes, this is high profile, but you, you can't let this define his career at the age of 25 when he probably has so many more great moments going forward. Well, and also, again, he, he's not Lionel Messi, but just to, to compare him slightly, you know, back if you go back to the 2014 World Cup, that was a good Argentina team. It was not a great Argentina team. I also think Sergio Aguero was hurt for that tournament. In, in a lot of ways, though, the way they played, Lionel Messi basically drug that Argentina team to the finals. And, and in, to a little bit of an, the same extent, Griezmann did the same thing both for Atletico Madrid and for France. He is... One of the big reasons, I mean, he was named Euro player of the tournament. He is a huge reason why both those teams made it to the finals. I mean, it's true that he did screw up in the fi- in both finals, but it, it's also somewhat plausible that without him, neither of those teams make the finals. So they... Well, too, you know what? I mean, Paul Pogba didn't have the greatest tournament ever, did he? Oh, oh God. <laughs> Paul Pogba's and, tournament I mean, has made me, th- made me think... That maybe, just maybe, he's like a slightly better well, Musa Dembele. That's what well, I'm talking myself saying, into when he signs for United. If it goes down, Manchester United's about to pay 100 million pounds for the guy. You know, they don't. They didn't base everything on six games in the middle of the summer playing for a national team. Yeah, you, know, you just you got to look at the resume on these guys, and you know these French players especially. I just, it just wasn't their day. That's what you got. At the end of the day, it wasn't their day. It, they weren't meant to get it done. They didn't get it done. I certainly would not call them a failure. You know, this is a French team who a couple, who, you know, a couple years ago at the World Cup, they were, you know, a lot of people were calling them imposters when they got to Germany and just basically laid and just basically rolled over on their backs so Germany could beat them. Well, you know what? They turn around this year, they beat Germany. They beat them decisively. They get to a final, and it just doesn't work out for them. Um, but, and, you know, you think about their last trip, to the, um, their trip before that to the World Cup where it was, it ended in national shame. 
I mean, this is just the ebb and flow of how things go. You know, sometimes teams overvalue players because of what they do in uh, in cup runs, um, and sometimes sometimes teams end up undervaluing players because well, he didn't have a good tournament. Well, what the hell has he done for his club? That's what I'm more interested in. Uh, so you know, I, I just I don't think this is indictment an indictment on anyone. From France, maybe Deschamps. If we need to indict anyone, it needs to be the manager who, you know, I, I think I think they did really well in this tournament despite his tactics. Um, but as for the players, I just I think they, I mean, they've got a bunch of world class players who, at the end of the day, they kind of got Lester. They kind of got Lester. Um, Portugal. Portugal was organized, and they weren't giving anything up at the back. So, uh, so Portugal wins the Euro Championship while winning one match in regulation. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. At the end of the day, it was, I mean, it was crap football. Well, Don't get me wrong. It was crap. And the tournament overall wasn't great. And there were too many problems. It was marred by this. It was marred by that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just going to go down the book that Portugal got the job done. And um, I guess now we uh, now we just want Elevate Ronaldo to be the greatest thing ever, right? That is an amazing jumping off point to get our final 2015-16 Premier League grades done. And we start in none other than the good city of Manchester for teams. Don't you just don't know how difficult it's been to get these final grades to you. It's, it's really hard. Oh, more inside jokes. Uh, team 5, Wes, the hated Red Devils of Manchester United. They won the FA Cup, so that's something, but they didn't really do a whole lot else, and they kind of had an internal immunity, and they kind of fired their head coach, and they're probably going to be better next season. Um, on the whole, I'm going to give them a C-. minus. They, they should be better, but they're avoiding a D because they... They did win something. You know that I'm personally, I'm going to give them a C. I'm going a little better than you. A, they did bring home a trophy. Um, B, they were in contention for the top four the entire season. And C, Ed, you know, when you really look down this Man United roster, now not the roster now, yeah, but the one that ended the season, I mean, who exactly are we talking about on that squad who were supposed to be so damn good? I mean, mm. outside of David De Gea, who's their only world-class player, I mean, who was supposed to be good on this team? Well, didn't we, didn't we to be honest, didn't we expect more from Memphis Depay? Yeah. Um, but I, I just, uh, I mean, when you really look at this United team, don't get me wrong, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I, I do just, too. I don't see, I don't see great players that are supposed to really put them over top of the teams that were in front of them. Okay, that's that's fair. I, I guess that's one way of looking at it. I mean, they had a, they had the best coach in, in Europe. 
That's true. That's, they really that's did. That's what got him fifth, was the genius of Louis Van Hall. Uh, obviously, we know that. Yes. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I think we expected a lot more of them just because their name was Manchester United. But mm-hmm. this is a team that spent a lot of money over the past few years, and they don't really have much of anything to show for it. That's true. So I mean, when you think about it, I mean, I mean, their best players this year were Smalling and De Gea, two guys who they've had for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, every you know, Marce- I'll give it to Martial. Martial came along and Martial played well. Mm-hmm. Um, Rashford looked pretty good. Rashford, can't, I mean, you know, Rashford's not a guy who, at this point of his life, is going to fire you to a Premier League title, and neither's Martial for that point. Mm-hmm. You know, those are both good players who, obviously, United are hoping their best years are far ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Wayne Rooney was a pedestrian this year, it seemed like. Um, I just, uh, I, you know, Morgan Schneiderlin, I don't know if he never settled or if he was never really given the chance to settle. It seemed like he was in there, and then he was out, and we never saw him for a while after that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the back, other than Smalling, I mean, it was it was a shambles at the back of that defense. Yeah, Bastion Schweinsteiger uh, never really made an impact. Somebody called that one on the head, didn't they? Yeah, you did. Good, good job. Um, but, you know, I, I think this is a United team who just on paper, because they were united, I guess we thought they would be better. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, winning a trophy, I'm going to give them a C. But I may be actually I may be actually a little low with that grade. <laughs> um, which actually goes to show, you know, maybe United weren't... Well, I mean, they weren't good this season, we'll put it that way. But maybe they weren't quite as just sheerly terrible as we thought they were. Okay. Because maybe their ceiling just wasn't that much higher. That's fair. Maybe. So, so yeah, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, then that takes us now to Manchester City. They made it to the Champions League semifinals before crapping the bed against Real Madrid in a pair of legs where they failed to score completely and looked devoid of any attacking pressure. They were supposed to win the Premier League until they didn't and completely fail there. Uh, but, hey, like United, they won the League Cup, so there's that. And they got their coach fired, too. And, and now they're bringing in Pep Guardiola. Um, I, I kind of feel like I have to give them a D. And and I'm giving them a lower grade than United because while we may have expected more than United, you, although you did put some good points out there, I, I think a lot of us, especially the way they started, kind of expected City to win the league or at least finish second. And and they, as, as longtime listeners of this pod will know, completely underwhelmed at multiple points this season. Well, and see, to me, I, I think they deserve a much lower grade than Man United mm-hmm. because, you know, as I said, look at Man United's roster. Where are the world-class players outside of David De Gea? Um, look at Man City's roster. It's pretty good. They're supposed to have a good half a dozen of them. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and whether it's, you know, this is kind of becoming a theme for them, whether it's injury problems for Aguero, whether it's um, 
Talking of lack of birthday for uh, for Yaya. Oh. Um, you know whether it's uh, you know just a complete oh I've forgotten how to play football <laughs> of uh, their fifty million pound uh, pickup Raheem Sterling. <laughs> you know whether it's holy shit what whether it's what am I doing here just like his inter, his international manager in Joe Hart. Yeah. Oh God. You know whether it's the the complete falling apart of uh, Vonsan Company. You know this was a team that had players, yes. and I thought they had the players to make a run. And it all came out. You know, I, I put I put a lot of the blame on the way that season ended on the board of yep. Man City. I mean, who the hell announces in February? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we're going to replace our coach at the end of the year. And then keeps the same guy in there who you're replacing, basically, obviously making him a lame duck. While you're making a Champions League push. Exactly, while you're making a Champions League and a league push. Yeah. What the hell are you thinking? I I mean, at that point, we've said it all year. At that point, City quit. They were done. Yeah. I mean, those players were like, I mean, where's my incentive? You know, other than that incentive that, you know, you're a fucking professional athlete at like one. Except that. Uh, except for that incentive. I mean, you know, those guys knew. I, I mean, it does me no good to impress Pellegrini. He's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I either need to, I need to try to do something on my own to either impress Pep or impress, you know, someone who might want to buy me over the summer. That team... <laughs> That team just completely lost their way. Now, that said, they were already underachieving some, but that just was the nail in the coffin of, you know, eh, don't worry about it. Fucking wait till next year. Yeah, it, it just truly, truly disappointing, as good as that team was, uh, bringing in De Bruyne uh, and then having him really be a complimentary piece when he was healthy. Same for Aguero. When he was healthy, he was, again, very, very good. Uh, as you mentioned, Raheem Sterling, despite a somewhat good start, kind of just completely fell off by about December. And, and that's... Sterling, to me, Sterling's trip to, uh, well, Sterling's first time seeing Liverpool. Oof. Um, I, I, I really, I really think that was, um, that was the death blow to Sterling for the year because after Liverpool kind of basically used and abused him for 90 minutes, mm-hmm. he was never the same this season. Yeah. He wasn't um, to know. So, you know, he, he's got to get his head right. Like, yeah, please continue, Ed. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, sp- speaking of getting their heads right, well, they're trying to do it this off season as third Wait, place. Wait, real quick, Ed, did, did you throw out a letter grade for City? Yeah, I gave them a D. I, I'll give them a D plus just because they lifted a cup. Okay, that's fair. All right, well, then going... Man, an easy touch there, Ed. Mm, very nice, very nice. Going to third place, that is Tottenham Hotspur, as they probably should have finished second or maybe even won the league, but that's okay. Uh, they lost in the round of 16 of the Europa League to Borussia Dortmund, lost in the League Cup to Arsenal, I think, lost in the FA Cup to Palace, I think in the round of 16 as well, maybe. Um, and again, finished third in the league with maybe one of the most horrid three-game stretches any team had all year outside of Aston Villa. Um, but still a lot to love from this team this year. Growing under second-year head coach, or I guess third-year head coach now, uh, 
going into his third year. Maurizio Pochettino, uh, Christian Eriksen taking a step forward. Harry Kane shaking off a very slow start to lead the league in scoring. Uh, Deli Ali being a revelaton. Um, you know, Eric Dyer, who went on to be maybe the best player for England in Euro 2016. Not saying much. Yeah. Uh, and the solidified back line, which tied for the fewest goals conceded in all of the Premier League, uh, manned by the player of the year for Tottenham, Toby Alderweireld, who's looking like a better and better signing by the minute as the season went on. Um, really, after, if you cut off maybe the first three weeks and the last three weeks of the season, Tottenham were probably the best team in the league. But unfortunately, those six weeks count. So I'm going to give them an A-. minus. Um, if they hadn't finished so poorly and they had finished maybe second i probably would have given them an a um just because they completely met their expectations for the year uh, and in some ways even exceeded them uh but because of how poorly they ended uh, i'm gonna drop them down to an a minus i'm gonna be a little a little more harsh uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna give Tottenham a b plus okay it was a b plus that was a very strong a up until, oh my God, the end of that season. What the hell? I've never, I, I mean, I've just never seen a team completely go from we're in the picture to capitulating that bad. Mm. And I've watched Liverpool. So. <laughs> um, for me, not having any real definitive, um, not, not even really trying to have a definitive run in a domestic cup. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can kind of tell basically they're like, ah, just get us out of these. We don't really want them on the schedule. Uh, and then just the kind of, I don't want to say contempt, but just the uh, the lack of really giving a shit about the Europa Final 16 matchup with Dortmund. Yeah, that still bothers me. And, and you know, I don't know how you feel that, and I know you know how I feel because of it, that really hurt me the way that they did that. Mm-hmm. Just for the simple fact that, you know, yeah, you know, getting out of Europa might have been a plus, even though, you know, it's what it is. But I, I just believe when you have that chance against an elite level opponent, you know, you just, I, I think it's I think it's for your own good that you go for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'll put it this way. Liverpool finished eighth in the league this year. Obviously, did not have a great league finish. Their two-leg tie against United, against Dortmund, I, I think those ties helped that team grow. Mm-hmm. And obviously, obviously it gave that team a belief that, shit, we can beat anybody. Right. And, I, you know, we'll, we'll obviously get in our preview in the coming weeks. But, you know, I, I expect a much improved Liverpool team this year, league-wise. And I, I just, I think, I think they'll be able to take that experience of, you know what, Dortmund had us dead to rights, but we never quit and we came back and beat, you know, we beat a team that, you know, Dortmund may end up, well, now losing everybody. Yeah. Teams. But, you know, I mean, that's a team that's going into the Champions League as a favorite to advance. Mm-hmm. Um. I just I believe you get a lot of belief by by finding a way to win and beat big teams, and I just felt Tottenham. I felt they wasted an opportunity. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and that's 
more the way I see it. Not that they blew the opportunity, because I don't think they blew it. I mean, with the team they put on the field, they shouldn't have expected to win. Right. I just think it was a waste. Mm-hmm. You know, give it your give it your shot. Go for it. But whatever. Um, aside from that, I mean, as you said, the league form was spectacular. And then at the end... And I'm going to give them a, a mini pass. I'm going to say that they kind of ran out of legs near the end of the season. I, I think that's a fair, yeah. Um, but once again, part of me comes back to mentality. You know, uh, every, at the end of the season, I mean, everybody's tired at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to be a team that's going to take the next step, and, you know, I mean, especially when you're sitting there with a chance to win the league, you know, I mean, to me, fuck how tired you are, figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think we just saw some frailties near the end of the year. You know, Deli Ali getting himself suspended late on. Uh, that did not overshadow a spectacular debut season. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of a little black mark against him at the end of the year. But like I said, you know, take nothing away. Deli Ali was, as you call him, the Revelaton. I mean, I'm I'm calling him. He's the new Paul Pierce. He's the truth. Yeah, there you go. I, like I mean, that. That, wow. As as long as he continues his development the right way, you know, every year, you know, we always talk about the sophomore slump. Yeah. And uh, you know, for Harry Kane, he was he started off in a sophomore slump and then was able to overcome it and end up having a great year. Um, you know, we we always say in uh, was it in in, in baseball. You know, hey, I've seen you now. You know, we've had a realm with each other. We've had a couple series. I've seen you. I know how to pitch to you now. Right. Now you have to adjust to how I'm going to pitch to you. You know, Spurs are now going to go into this coming season as uh, as the hunted instead of the uh, under-the-radar hunter at this point. Right. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they go forward. But uh, I'm giving Spurs a B plus, and I'm giving them a really strong B plus. All right. Very strong. Uh, something I don't think you may give as strong to. Second place, Arsenal, which feels really weird to say. Um, you had their fourth place trophy all shined up and ready to go, and then they went and took second place. Um, did not win any trophies, though, especially not that fourth place trophy. And uh, in some ways, they kind of lost the league. They were, I believe, the last team to lead the Premier League at one point in this season, not counting the 15 seconds that Spurs were actually in first place. Uh, they were they were uh, the last team to to push Leicester down to second. Um, this, this is going to come across as, as me just hating Arsenal. I'm going to give them a D plus. And that's because unless their goal this year was literally just to make the Champions League, which when you see who was contending for the title, I can't imagine that would have been it. I I think you failed. You didn't win any hardware. You didn't... I don't think anybody on that team really took a leap. I I, I don't know what the positives are for this Arsenal campaign besides the fact that they finished second. So on that front, I have to give them a poor grade, and so I will give them a D plus. Uh, I'm gonna go a little above you. I'm gonna give them a C minus. Okay. And it's crazy to think, well, wow, you you just gave the team who finished in third a, a strong B plus. He's gonna C minus. 
And don't forget, I went out on the limb. I picked Arsenal to win the league this year. Yes, you did. Um, and, and also, you know, for a team who I think had their highest league finish in maybe a decade, you know, just a massive, massive uh, disappointment for them. Yeah. Because this was a team that looked primed not just to move up from fourth. This is a team that looked primed to win. When you look around the Premier League, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Chelsea immediately went in the shitter this year. They're out. Mm-hmm. You know, City massively underachieved. Um, United just weren't overall that good. You know, Liverpool had a managerial change uh, about a quarter of the way through the season. You know, so that pretty much took them out of it. And you're sitting there as Arsenal with everyone telling you that you did you had you did exactly what you needed to do in the offseason. You went and got the best available keeper, and that that was the missing link. Mm-hmm. And then to go out there and just abjectly play yeah. uninspired football and then still slide your way into second, which once again, you know. Blame Tottenham for that one. Tottenham has no one to blame but themselves for mm-hmm. Arsenal finishing second. Um, and, and Arsenal basically, I mean, give them credit for winning the matches down the stretch. But, I mean, they basically backdoored their way into second place. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't anything inspiring from Arsenal. It wasn't a great run. It wasn't, you know, we pushed for the title and just came up short and got pipped at the end. No, they were uninspiring. They took advantage of basically Tottenham, you know, just losing their heads at the end of the season, and they finished second in a shitty season for the Premier League. I just don't. the the only The only plus for Arsenal is now they don't have to play a qualifier. There you go. I mean, there you go. There is the great victory of this whole season. Well, we're back where we usually are. But we don't have to play a qualifier. Well, we do not have to play the qualifier. It, is, uh, it makes us very, very good for going forward. Um, so now we finish West with uh, the final team. Uh, the team that won it all, 5,000 to 1 odd. Uh, it was Leicester City. I, I have very little to say. A+. Plus. You, you, and that couldn't have even been the goal at the beginning of the season, and you somehow destroyed it. So it wasn't always the best looking, it wasn't always the most exciting, but it was the one that in the end was the most consistent and got it done. Um, A plus, literally just an A plus. I'll even go one better, of course, Ed. As every holiday season, we always end up watching at least part of the famous movie. The Christmas story. Um, and that famous scene where Ralphie has written his, uh, his his paper about the Red Rider BB gun and his teacher in his in his dream and his imagination, she's so impressed that she gives Ralphie an A plus 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 and goes around the room adding pluses after pluses after pluses. That, my friend, is the only way I can describe Leicester City Football Club season. Yeah. As you said, 5,000 to 1, I picked them to get relegated. <laughs> I mean, here you are. You hired Claudio Ranieri, which was just widely mocked by everyone. <laughs> You've got some guy named Danny Drinkwater. Yeah. 
No one knows what a Ryan Mares is. Christian Fuchs. Is, yeah. uh, you know, Jamie Vardy, his, his claim to fame is he looks like a rat and, you know, just is, is like the equivalent of British white trash. They had the son of a former Premier League title winner in goal, though. They did. They had a Schmeichel, but he was the crappy Schmeichel. <laughs> And here's this team literally two years removed from being uh, in the championship. And they uh, they basically have a season that someday somebody's going to make a movie about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, was a, it was a Rocky-esque story. Um, underdog takes on the, uh, the superpowers, comes good, and uh, goes home with the belt at the end of the season. And... Uh, you, know, you can just imagine Jamie Vardy standing there with his shirt off going, Yo, Adrian, I did it! Very nice. So, uh, yeah. And he said, Oh, let's go touch shit and get banged. Oh, that's, that's a perfect Jamie Vardy. So, uh, I mean, there, there is literally not that much to talk about Lester. It is the perfect Premier League season. Yeah, that's and they they did exactly what they needed to do and they got it done. All right, that's that's our team grades. Hope you enjoyed them. Uh, we'll be doing. T- t- took us long enough to get them, didn't it? Yeah, uh, we had games to talk about, and uh, so we'll get to our season preview in a couple weeks, um, just in time, just in time, because we still have transfers to talk about as we head into news and notes. West Bradshaw. And let's, let's talk about first a transfer to Tottenham Hotspur from a team that strikes fear and cold sadness into the fan of every UM, uh, into the uh, heart of every U.S. men's national team supporter. And that is AZ Alkmaar, where one promising Josie Altidore had so many goals in the Dutch Eredivisie League and then came to Sunderland and basically did nothing. But... Hopefully the same thing will not happen for Vincent Janssen as he is coming over from Alkmaar after leading the Eredivisie in goals scored last year. The Dutchman is coming over after scoring 27 times in 34 appearances for Alkmaar. And finally, Wes, finally, Harry Kane actually has a backup. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would actually, more than Chris, than uh, Josie Altidore, who, I mean, come on. If he was supposedly that damn good, someone other than Sunderland would have gotten him, right? Somewhat true. Um, I think the one I would be a little more worried about and I would be looking to avoid if I was uh, Tottenham with this uh, would be last year's Golden Boot winner in the Eredivisie, one Memphis Depay. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that's more what I'd be a little more worried about. But, um, you know, here, here's the deal. Um this young man, he's not coming to Spurs to supposedly be the savior, mm-hmm. as Depay was. He's not going to put Vincent on the back of his kit. No, no he's going to put Vincent. He's going to put his last name. Uh, or he could just call himself Fred. <laughs> um, but, you know, he uh, he's going to come in. He He's just going to be – they're just going to expect him early on. Hey, listen, just get yourself into the, into the matches. You know, um, kind of – Get your wits about you. Get the speed of the game down. We're not asking you to carry us because we still have Harry Kane. Um, you know, if around October, November, when you know some of those uh, uh, Champions League matches, you need a little break for Harry for the the League Cups and all that good stuff. 
that's where this guy should be able to step up and then hopefully uh, turn around and make himself an integral part of this team going forward. Yeah, very quietly, I think Spurs having a surprisingly good transfer season uh, after doing pretty well last year, uh, getting the aforementioned Toby Alderweireld among a few others. Uh, this... well, and, and when you when you think about Spurs, I mean, this is a team that we said during the season you don't need that much. No. So I mean, there is no we don't they don't have to go out and break the bank. You know, they don't have to look to spend a hundred million on Pogba mm-hmm. or you know go out and get Granite Shaka or um, or any of those. Now I have heard them recently linked with uh, Mario Gutsa. <laughs> And with, to which I posted when that was mentioned in the NC Spurs uh, Facebook page. I said, uh, it's just our continued uh, determination to take every Liverpool target. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's what y'all do. We, uh, we, we find them, and uh, then you overbid us. But anyway. <laughs> he wanted uh, $5 million, $5 million, and your board couldn't give it to Deli Ali. <laughs> but anyway, um, I mean, this is a Spurs team who they didn't need a major makeover. Mm-hmm. Um, really like the uh, the signing from the Eredivisie. Um, I mean, it was a group. You know, like you said, you needed a backup striker. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you went and got one. You got one who's got maybe a nice little ceiling to him mm-hmm. and can maybe develop into a little something more than that. Uh, for Tottenham, the biggest thing to get is depth. Yeah, absolutely. Because here's the thing. You can't go treat the Champions League like you just treated the Europa League. No, 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 no. You've no, got no. to try. Yes. Your fans demand that you try. Well, not only that, but I think at this point all of England demands that we try so we don't bring down the coefficient for the entire country. Well, you can thank Liverpool for last year. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, Liverpool and Man City. Well, how'd those two work out for you? Yeah. All right. Uh, it, it, I, I like the signing for Spurs. I like what they're doing. Yeah. They don't have to do much. Him and the Wanyama deal, both have, both have been pretty darn good so far. Um, now to some uh, someone that is getting splashed with all the cash. It's the new richest person in the world. And apparently this is, this is what happens now, Wes Bradshaw. Four of the top ten highest paid players in the world now reside in China. The newest among them... One Graziano Pele, formerly of Southampton, in the latest line of how is Southampton going to replace X uh, after his, we'll say, good Euro 2016 uh, appearances for Italy, he is moving. He is moving from Southampton over to Shandong Luneng for reportedly three hundred thousand euros a week, and of course Pele uh, joins now Hulk Ezekiel Levetz and uh, Jackson Martinez on that list of top 10 highest paid players in the world. I still can't believe that. Um, but also, I, I thought it was very, very appropriate that when uh, he was signed and they did an interview with him, he mentioned that it had always been a dream ever since he was growing up to play in the uh, the Chinese Super League, the Chinese Super League that started in 2004. So... Good for you, Graziano Pelé. Good for you on accomplishing this lifelong dream of joining a league that has been in existence for all of 12 years. Way to follow your heart and in no way follow the money. And we kind of wonder why sometimes people say professional athletes aren't always the brightest. Yeah. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, well, one thing we can take solace in, these four players who are among the highest paid in the world, are any of them really that good? I, I mean, is Hulk, is Hulk arguably the best one of the four? Well, I, I mean, uh, let's I believe it's, it's Pella, Hulk, is it Jackson Martinez in there? Yeah, Jackson Martinez and Lovetsy. Lovetsy. Okay, I mean, this is Lovetsy who couldn't really get that many games for PSG. Yeah, this is Hulk who, I, I mean, I think Hulk's going to go down as one of the great unknowns. Yeah. Because he never played against, he never played in a good league. Yeah. I mean, he was in Portugal. But you know what? Uh, when they would go into the Champions League, I mean, Hulk wasn't great for Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackson Martinez. Jackson Martinez was really good. Um, where was he? Uh, at Ma- Monaco? Yeah, because wasn't he with uh, James? No, 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 no. Where was Jackson Martinez? Here, I can click on him really quickly here. Uh, maybe he was in Portugal as well. Might have been. Um, but you know, I mean, once again, you know, his his one, you know, he got his big move to Atletico Madrid, and I mean, he didn't exactly take over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pella, oh God, I mean, who really knew who Graziano Pella was until about a season ago? Yeah, not many people. I mean, so you know, China give China credit, and of course, this could totally, you know, change in the future. But, um, I mean, right now, yeah, they're getting some good names. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're really getting... I don't think at this point of their careers, they're really getting guys who would come in and transform, you know, good European teams into much of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, a, there was a time when, you know, Jackson Martinez, you know, everybody wanted him. And then suddenly he just... Where did he... What, was he at Porto? Yeah, he was at Porto. Okay, that was it. You know, he just kept staying at Porto and wouldn't go anywhere. And then suddenly he's 30 and gets a transfer to, like, Atletico. Um, you know, hold, I mean, I, they're getting some good names. I just, I, at this point, I don't think they're really hurting any other leagues when it comes to taking away quality players, though. I mean, okay. once again, these guys would all, I mean, they could all play in the upper leagues of Europe. But, I mean, we're not exactly calling them, you know, world beaters. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a brave new world. China has firmly supplanted MLS now, I think, as the place where if, if maybe you're not English and you want a big payday towards after after you've kind of hit your prime or maybe even in Pele's case sort of in your prime, if you want that big payday, go to China? I'll tell you, I mean, the, when it comes to the paydays, I mean, they're they're a lot better than the. Um, I mean, they're a lot better than the MLS paydays. Yeah. You know, MLS MLS still has a modicum of like you know we're trying to keep salaries somewhat from being horribly inflated. Yes. I was like, shit, strap the helium to that bitch. Let's inflate all day. <laughs> oh, so sustainable. All right, two, uh, one more quick story. Uh, Pep Guardiola, uh, he had his first uh, press conference officially for Manchester City. I believe he was also interviewed by Noel Gallagher at one point for some odd reason because I guess, hey, he did that thing with City that one time. Um, one thing that may be a little bit... Noel Gallagher saying Wonderwall. 
And that's literally it. He actually hates Wonderwall, so fuck Noel Gallagher. Um, Guardiola sounding like he wants Yaya Torre to stay, saying, quote, I count on him, according to Daniel Taylor of The Guardian. Um, I've known Yaya for a long time. He's a huge talent. He's huge. Um, and also, he's saying that he wants Vincent Company to stay fit, and that's his dream, especially him in the last two years. He's not played too many games. Um, and he wants him to show some quality. So I, Pep kind of being a little pie in the sky in his first press conference, Wes. be a member of city uh once september the first hits okay you know unless you're clop and basically saying uh mario needs to move on from liverpool (laughs) um unless you're that i mean you're you're not going out there and taking one of the guys who is is still one of your highest earners and longest tenure players Mm -hmm. you're not going out there and throwing them under the bus yeah we just want to get rid of them um you know there is a ton of uh, double speak and coach speak in the in the world of football and mm-hmm. just professional sports in general. Anyway, mm-hmm. so like I said it's one of those I would wait and see, see it, you know, believe it when you see it kind of things, especially with Yaya. But uh, you know, for Pep, a lot, lot, lot of excitement around Pep, as there well should be from City fans. Uh, so you, know, you figured a guy like Pep would come in and own the uh, you know own the press conference, and uh, and he did he did. You know what else there's a lot of excitement for West Bradshaw? That is. Our sponsors. Let's have a word from them now. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. And thank you to our sponsors for that. Uh, so glad to have you on here on the A Foreign Affair podcast. Uh, Wes, back to coaching moves, though. Uh or came out this week that the the I think worst kept secret in the world, Big Sam is probably the A number one choice for England going forward. Sunderland wasn't too happy that that was leaked out despite wild speculation even while Euro 2016 was going on. Uh, one maybe surprising though name that has joined him is one United States men's national team coach, Jurgen Klinsmann. Um, in what could be almost a sort of get out of jail free card, although if he doesn't like the American press, I can't imagine how he'll deal with the English press. Um, but two very interesting choices. I have to imagine, have to imagine though, Wes, that Big Sam is the first choice for the, uh, the English FA moving forward. That's a big sigh. That's a really big sigh from you. (laughs) I mean, Jesus Christ, you go from Roy, who's unimaginative, to a guy who makes Roy look like fucking yearning Klopp. We've got Ufi forward. We've got Ufi forward with long balls. And we're going to go right one. (laughs) All we need are three points to, to get out of our group. That's free nil-nil draws, and we'll be fine. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, on the bright side, um, oh, what's his name? Kevin Nolan might finally get an England cap. There you go. Because 
apparently, you know, Sam tries to take him everywhere with him. Well, then here, would you rather have Jurgen Klinsmann? God, yes. Okay. God, yes. I don't want either of them. <laughs> but my God, at least Jurgen Klinsmann understands, hmm, at some point you have to attack. Yeah. I mean, literally, Sam Allardyce is a specialist in survival. Nice. Well, you know what, Ed? I think Portugal might have shown us this year. You know what? Yeah. Survival can win you a tournament. Don't don't give up goals in the knockout stage, and you're golden. You're golden. Christ. Um, if England end up, if, if Sam Allardyce is the best choice England can come up with, the entire FA needs to be fired. <laughs> Thank you, Vince. Buy new people who run the FA because this is not good enough. Yeah. Oh, God. But, you know, that, so obviously to me it somewhat sounds like they're on this kick where they want an English coach to coach England. Yeah. And, I mean, I could understand that if there was a good English coach out there. <laughs> but, unfortunately, you know, the only ones I would trust might be Eddie Howe. And he's certainly not ready for it yet. Nope. God, can you imagine Pardue with the job? Pardue can barely keep his temper under, you know, with like the seventh most popular club in London. Yes. Yeah. The fucking England job? Oh my God. Oh, that'd be pretty great. And, the, and there's only one choice. And that choice is clear. You need to go to Holland to get Louis van Gaal. Oh, yes. I'm not gonna lie. I would completely and utterly take Louis Van Gaal for England right now. That's that's how low this has fallen. Uh, speaking of how low things have fallen, Wes, how about Celtic? And um, you know, we used to always say things like "go look, go look something up in the dictionary." And I say that to my kid now, what's a dictionary? Yeah. You know, it used to, back in the day, I would say, if you go to a dictionary and you look up the word passion, <laughs> and you look up the word, God, I've already forgotten my word. Character? Character. The C word. You're going to find a picture of Brendan Rogers, probably the picture that he had of himself in his own house. <laughs> You're gonna find that picture in the in the in the uh, in the dictionary. And Celtic went to Gibraltar, Estonia, Estonia, Estonia. I thought it was Gibraltar. Uh, oh, excuse me. No, Estonia is uh, where the Lincoln Red Imps of Gibraltar. You're correct. Uh, won their last Champions League qualifying round. But no, yes, the Lincoln Red Imps are in Gibraltar. You're correct. <laughs> Gibraltar, I don't exactly know where Gibraltar is. I think it's somewhere off the British Isles. It has a rock. It does have a rock. And that rock shut out the mighty Celtic. The five-time defending Scottish League champions who made a huge off-season splash by bringing in Brendan Rodgers, the former Liverpool manager, go to Gibraltar in against a team that half of the players are part-time football players. It's beautiful. We've got policemen. We've got cobblers. <laughs> we've got uh, we've got direct TV dish service guys. Yeah, we've got a repo man in there, I think. And uh, and Celtic come out with a one-nil loss. Yeah. Now that said, 
I fully expect Celtic to go back to Celtic Park and overturn this in the second leg. Probably. But the damage has already been done. I mean, I mean Wes, the, there's Premier League managers that would be fired on the spot for this. Oh. I mean, now you've got Brendan Rodgers who you know, comes into a lot of fanfare, but also comes into this job with, with questions around his name. Like, you know... Brendan, to me, Brendan Rodgers is a really good, a really, really top-flight coach. Uh-huh. I don't know how great of a manager he is. Ah. And here you go. You're going to Celtic where basically, as we jokingly said, all right, I can win the league. He's going to bring in Stevie. Stevie can win the league. Awesome. And, I mean, the Scottish Football League is love-hanging fruit right now. Hmm. And Brenda Rogers comes in with this big reputation of being such a good coach. And you go and lose your first match. It's just, it's literally, if you're Brendan Rogers, just don't fuck it up. That's all you have to do with Celtic right now. Just don't exactly. fuck it up. And you're exactly. kind of fucking it up. Celtic on the European, on the European stage, Celtic are kind of like a, uh, a Ford Escort. <laughs> but in Scotland, they are the finest of Scottish sports cars, which I believe is like a mule in a wagon. But still. Um, no, but I mean, really, in Scotland, they're they're an Aston Martin in Scotland. Yeah, they're a focus on the common. But I mean, it's hard to it's going to be really hard to screw Celtic up. But I've just got this bad feeling after this first match. If someone can figure out how to do it. It might be the barrage. And it was uh, Lee Kaishero's uh, second half goal, which won it for the Lincoln Red Imps. Uh, Kaishero, a Ministry of Defense police officer. So good, good for him. He'll have something to tell his buddies at work now. It's it just, it's, it's baffling, quite frankly, how this, this team was able to beat Celtic. And of course, the barrage said all the right things after. Well, you know, we, we had all the possession, but we just couldn't finish. And they had their one opportunity, and they finished. And that's football, and that happens. Which, they showed great character. Which is true, but they're the Lincoln Red Imps. They probably play in Lincoln Park. Ah, you see what I did there? Um, they, they, I mean, they've become so blind. Very nice. Very nice. You're welcome. That was that was a corn song, but I, I give you props for at least doing something new metal, uh, which is probably the same material that Brendan Rodgers is slamming what? his head against right now. What? What? That was a Lincoln Park song. I'm so blind. I'm so blind. Oh, okay. When you sing it like that, no, the word is not blind. It's numb. Oh well, that would help. Yeah. Hey, we can edit this out, right? Sure. Yeah, he's uh, comfortably numb, you might say. Um, so that's going to do it for news and notes. Uh, Wes, we're just going to skip over Watch 4 for the week. We're in the doldrums of summer. Um, I watched The Life of Brian. Did you watch? Oh, you watched Life of Brian. How was that? Uh, it's on right now. I've seen it before. It's on. All right. Did you watch any of the Home Run Derby real quick? Um, I saw John Carlo hit about four. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had some, I had a lot of things going on on Monday night. I actually didn't even get a chance to watch Raw on Monday night. Ah, yes. I had to go back and watch Raw later, but I saw a little bit of John Carla. Um, I mean, let's just put it this way. 
you know, the guy is built like a fucking Greek Adonis. Mm-hmm. Um, he can probably bang any supermodel in South Beach that he wants to. Um, and on top of it, they're paying him $300 million. Mm-hmm. And he has maybe more power in his bat than any guy we've ever put our eyes on. Is he America's Cristiano Ronaldo? Our biggest well, the biggest problem with Giancarlo is lately Giancarlo hasn't been that good. That's true. His batting average hasn't been very good this year. Yeah, so, and, and also the fact that, you know, for whatever you think about Cristiano, any sports fan in the world, oh yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that many people outside of real baseball fans know who John Carlos Stanton is at this point, mainly because he plays for the Miami Marlins. Yeah, and apparently not many people ended up seeing him in the Home Run Derby either, as uh, ESPN dropped off about a million and a half viewers from last year's Home Run Derby, topping off, I think, at about five and a half million. And the uh, the All Star Game didn't do much better. So, yay baseball! Well. Um, of course, one thing to celebrate this year, the hopefully, hopefully the final appearance of Chris Berman on the, on the Home Run Derby. Do you want to talk the, about that? Do you want to talk about what you sent me the other day? Let's just throw it in there real quick. Just because, I mean, let me, let me start by saying Chris Berman is an absolute legend in the broadcast game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, what, what that guy did, especially in the late 70s and the 80s and into the early 90s, he was special. Tom Jackson and he was a great partnership on NFL primetime when that started. But the problem is, you know, he needed to step away about 20 years ago. (laughs) I mean, literally, like, in the mid-90s, he should have stepped away. And people would be saying, man, you know who I really miss? I miss Chris Berman. He was really good. You know, do do a little appearance every once in a while on ESPN. Make it special. But, man... I've heard too much damn Chris Berman now. Yeah. I've, I've been sick of Chris Berman since middle school. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, he ha- I, I believe he has announced uh, he's not renewing his contract when it's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this looks like it was his last home run derby. <sighs> so to top it off, he had to go all Chris Berman and try to come up with a great catchphrase. Um, Todd Frazier, of course, uh, ends up being the runner-up in the Home Run Derby this year. So Chris Berman decides he's going to honor Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Why? Because, of course, this is baseball. I don't know. Sure. Never knew much of Muhammad Ali being a baseball fan, but whatever. He may have been a huge one for all I know. So Chris Berman utters the words, uh, paraphrase, in the year that we lost Muhammad Ali, down goes Frazier. Okay. Not a bad little quote. Yeah. On its own. Famous uh, line. Yeah, yeah. Goes Frazier. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the problem is, mm-hmm. he's obviously referencing a Joe Frazier fight. Yes. And, of course, we all know about the great Muhammad Ali-Joe Frazier rivalry. Mm-hmm. But the only problem is, the fight where the words, down goes Frazier, was uttered, was between George Foreman and Joe Frazier. That man makes grills. Yes. Oh, dear. So, as we're, quote, somehow honoring... <laughs> Um, Muhammad Ali here, we, we we make reference to something that Muhammad Ali had no part in. So basically his entire um, ode to Muhammad Ali was in the year that we lost Muhammad Ali. Yeah. So he basically reminded us that Muhammad Ali died. Thanks. 
hey, Prince died. Maybe we should make a Purple Rain reference. John Carlos Stanton making it rain! Just like Prince did. A reminder, Prince died earlier this year. He's sending that to Ziggy Stardust! Just a reminder, David Bowie died earlier this year. Oh my god, in the year we lost David Bowie, booyah! What? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, no, it doesn't. So Chris Berman basically signs off. Uh, in the way that you would uh, always expect your senile old uncle to sign off, saying something that makes no sense. Oh, man. That's great. Oh, on that note, Wes, please take us into the, the So Raw, where we get into the latest trappings of WWE with the greatest Pokemon Go catcher of all, John Cena! <sighs> and the man who caught his own Pokemon in his way to the great Vincent, yeah. Kennedy yeah, that 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 ghastly was fire. And of course, Vince did make an appearance on Raw this week, but that was the uh, that was the uh, main thing that happened. So we we're gonna save that. Uh, we are uh, at this point about a week and a half away from Battleground. Yeah. But not only that, and we are fast forward. We are less than a week away from the brand split taking place mm. uh, on Tuesday. Uh, July 19th, SmackDown goes live on Tuesday nights. Um, and it, this, it, this is a game changer in the WWE world because uh, on Tuesday night, we will have the brand split draft. Mm. Which means uh, Team Raw, Team SmackDown will draft uh, their participants for the upcoming future. I believe they used to do a redraft every year or something like that. <clears throat> but... Um, so basically, everything changes on Tuesday night, which is it is really exciting. It's something cool to see. Um, so that that's the that's the biggest thing coming up. So about you know next week when we do so raw in here, you know I'll, I'll have some draft results for you. Ooh, draft breakdown, Mel Kiper style. I never thought I'd have to never thought I'd have to go all Mel Kiper on uh, on the WWE, but I will. <coughs> um. The big, the big rivalries right now to look at. That's all I'm sticking to are the big feuds, the ones that I'm really into. Um, AJ Styles, John Cena. Oh, man, it's getting really good. Um, last week we had Enzo and Cass come out. They joined John Cena this week. We get the announcement at Battleground. Uh, we're going to get the six-man tag between uh, Cena and Enzo and Cass versus the club. Um this will be pay-per-view number two that this these groups are somewhat involved with each other, which I think is inevitably going to lead to the um, the SummerSlam blow-off match between Cena and AJ Styles, which is going to be really good. Um, the other night, uh, or on Monday night, John Cena was it was announced everyone that he was in uh, that he was in Los Angeles because, as we know, he is hosting the ESPYS. This yes. Week. Yes. Uh, congratulations. Apparently, from what I've heard so far, did a pretty darn good job. Um, so, it was announced he wasn't there. The club looked as if they were going to take advantage of a three-on-two against Enzo and Cass, when all of a sudden, do, 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 do. Yeah. And it, a, a crazy, strange thing happened. Cena got a pop. What? The crowd cheered for John Cena. <clears throat> and then I say that jokingly, but... You know, here's the thing. You've got AJ Styles who, you know, before turning on John Cena, 
was one of the most popular guys in the company. You've got the club, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, who you know I'm a huge fan of. You know, they were getting some cheers, mostly because people knew what they did in Japan. And Ed, in the last month, they have done such a good job of being the bad guys mm-hmm. that they've actually got people cheering for John Cena. Not wow. just eight-year-old kids and women, either. Um, Cena got a big pop the other night. Cena comes out, they run off the club. Um, you know, obviously setting up for that uh, big six-man tag coming up. But I just, I just absolutely love the work that these guys have been doing. They've told a great story. Um, you know, people are invested in it. Um, and you've got AJ Styles, who is just—I mean, he's a human highlight film. He's—he's—he's he's, he's just great. He's—he's he's leading this whole thing, and it's just—it's been really good. I'm really, really impressed with that. Um, the uh, the world title scene, uh, of course, at Battleground, we're supposed to have the triple threat, the the Shield triple threat. Uh, Roman Reigns still on his 30-day suspension, so we still haven't seen him. Uh, Seth Rollins for the second straight week is, or actually third straight week, is uh, throwing a fit about Reigns still being in this match. (laughs) And this week he said that he had an exclusive interview (gasps) that he wanted to play on, get ready, the Rollins Report. Oh, wow. Awesome. Now, of course, don't forget, you know, Seth Rollins has experience at, um, you know, with the talk show scene after almost retiring John Stewart single-handedly. Yeah, of course. Um, so the Rollins comes out and it, really we have about this three-minute interview where it's supposedly it's Seth Rollins interviewing Roman Reigns. Obviously, Rollins is asking questions uh, with Dr. Roman Reigns' answers <laughs> uh, to make it sound however he wants. Um I enjoyed it. I thought it. I thought it was good. I thought it was, you know, you can, it was predictable what they were going to do, but Rollins did it at least in a creative way. Oh, okay. And Rollins, <laughs> Rollins just sells so much with his face that, you know, you, you really get on board with Rollins. Um, as he, you know, as that ends, he's trashing uh, Reigns of the Ring. Here comes Dean Ambrose, the world champion. And... You know, Rollins has been putting over this narrative that, you know, Dean Ambrose, you're a joke. You know, you don't even deserve to be here. And Dean Ambrose, for the first time in a couple of years now, kind of dropped the whole lunatic shtick just a little bit. Mm. And and went, like, seriously, like, I'm pissed off at you right now. And basically reminded Seth Rollins, you know, that... um, he didn't just back into the world title. He spilled, as he said, gallons of uh, buckets full of blood. Mm. Um, he's damaged ligaments. He's, in his words, lost body parts. I don't know exactly what he's talking about. But, okay. uh, I, I see everything there, but hey, you know, I don't know. Um, it, really, it, it really felt like he was speaking more from, you know, like, hey, dude, don't talk shit about me. I'm really pissed at you right now. And it came across really well. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, was really, really happy with the Ambrose Rollins segment. Um, oh, and it ended actually uh, with them nose to nose. And next week on Raw, we're going to get a world title match. Oh. It's going to be one on one Ambrose versus Rollins. Um, <coughs> so, I'm really, really looking forward to that for Monday night. 
Last segment I'm going to talk about before we get to the Raw and SmackDown GM, or, or the uh, whoever's running Raw and SmackDown, we'll put it that way. Um, the Wyatt family and the New Day uh, <clears throat> have been having this back and forth for a few weeks now. And the New Day invited the Wyatts to come to their compound and have a fight. The New Day has a compound? No, the Wyatt family has a compound. Oh. I guess in Louisiana or the Florida swamps, wherever. <clears throat> and the New Day took them up on their challenge and went down there. Now, not to give me too much detail in, but a week ago, TNA um, had the wrestling world a buzz. Yeah. Uh, hashtag the final deletion. In North Carolina, no less. In North Carolina. In Cameron, North Carolina, Matt and Jeff Hardy, <clears throat> basically they had about a, a couple of month buildup where Matt Hardy has pulled out one of the most interesting wrestling characters that we've seen in years. <laughs> By the way, I think you would thoroughly enjoy that buildup. Yeah. Um, but they had a big blow-off match a week ago, and it was... It was filmed, it was almost like filmed as more like a movie than a match. Yeah. And, you know, that was obviously had some tongue-in-cheek in in it, and that one was extremely, extremely overboard. Um, I mean, it it included such things as, you know, a drone attack on Jeff Hardy's house, Uh, and just some great stuff. But, well, great as in this is bad which makes it kind of good this week with the new day and everything it, it was it was almost filmed kind of like a 70s horror movie oh which i didn't hate um what i didn't like was that at the end both teams were actually still standing and the and the new day were just kind of like slowly backing away you know, I mean, here's the new day. You're going down to somebody else's, quote, compound. You're going into their house. They've got the numbers advantage, and you walk out of there. I would have liked to have seen it end a little differently. Mm-hmm. That's just me. But, I mean, it, it wasn't bad. You could, you could definitely feel the, uh, you could definitely feel that, you know, somebody watched the final deletion <laughs> and was like, hey, this would be really cool, wouldn't it? Sure. Um, but uh, it, it was it was interesting. I'll give it that much. I, I still want to see where this is going because I have enjoyed this feud so far. I just didn't think this was great. Uh, last but not least, our final segment of the night, Vince McMahon comes out to the ring with his daughter Stephanie, his son Shane, and uh, we are finally going to find out who is going to be running the new SmackDown Live, and the answer is... Shane McMahon will be running SmackDown Live. Uh, Stephanie McMahon gets the, I guess, quote, consolation prize. She'll be running Raw. Oh. So um, Vince McMahon has said he wants to see, he wants them to be cutthroat. He wants to see who wants it more. And he wants to see who does a better job. Uh, This coming up Monday night, um, both will be announcing who their uh, general manager will be. Uh, early word out on SmackDown sounds like it's going to be Daniel Bryan. Oh. Which would be, it would be great to see Daniel Bryan back on TV, don't get me wrong. Um, I haven't heard anything about who Stephanie McMahon's going to have on Raw. I, I just find it extremely, to me, it's extremely obvious that it'll be her husband, Triple H. Yeah. Um, no one's really said anything about those. So I'm going to put my bet out there that it's going to be Triple H and Daniel Bryan. 
uh, because that would be two good guys on one show and the two bad guys on the other show. Um, but anyway, either way, it'll be interesting. Like we said, the draft is coming up um, Tuesday. So it's uh, it's going to be a big week coming up. Real quick before we get out of there, uh, Brock Lesnar fought at UFC 200 the other night. Mm-hmm. And uh, a crazy thing happened. The old fake wrestler beat the shit out of the real fighter. Wow, didn't see that coming. Folks, just one thing. Don't doubt Brock Lesnar. He is a bad human being. <laughs> Who won't he's sell big, for shit. Strong. He's fast as shit for his size. And he just absolutely wails on people. So, uh, and all of them, I believe I saw that uh, after the pay-per-view buy rates and all, all the final numbers come in, Brock Lesnar is going to make about $8.5 million for that fight the other night. It's not bad. Not bad for a twenty-minute, uh, twenty-minute, well, basically twenty minutes of work, huh? eight and a half mil. Of course, I mean that's what you make on a daily basis, right? Dude? It's true. That's I. I only and and considering I work, you know, eight hours, you know, that's basically twenty-four chunks of that eight million dollars every twenty minutes. So I'm just rolling in it. Because there you go. Congratulations, Zachary. You're a great man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you're a great man for taking us through so raw and to the end of this edition of the A Foreign Affair podcast. Once again, we are brought to you by NGSC Sports as well as I'm Next USA. Check them both out as well as uh, our other great podcast providers, including Podbean.com, the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher Radio, the TuneIn Radio app, iHeartRadio, and much, much more. Uh, you can find uh, all our people online at NGSC gsc sports on twitter at i'm next usa you can find our show at afa pod west you are at west bradshaw 21 i'm at edward green you can of course also find us through our sister show the uh all new sports show on facebook instagram and youtube you can email us all new sports show at gmail.com and mail us letters and parcels to 1701 sunset avenue suite 201 Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. So that's going to do it for episode 115. We'll have a couple stories to get to that we didn't get to uh, this week, including uh, a an end-of-the-line sort of uh, coming for the manager of Wales, as well as a very quick end-of-the-line for, for one Italian-slash-Argentine manager. And, of course, all the more the transfer news that will be happening in the next week. So, Wes, anything to add before we get out of here? I just want to throw this in real quick. Uh, my Colin Murray story. Yes. That I said to you earlier today. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Colin Murray, who um, has the, I guess it's kind of the morning show on uh, Talk Sport. Yeah. Which is uh, the biggest uh, sports radio station in uh, in Britain. Mm-hmm. And, of course, one that I listen to a lot over here in the States. Uh, I, tune in, uh, I stream it uh, over my phone and listen a lot. Colin Murray... Um, has resigned his position at TalkSport. <clears throat> um, TalkSport in the midst of a uh, of a takeover by a, comp- a corporation owned by Rupert Murdoch. Um, that corporation uh, is, I don't know if they own the Sun newspaper in England or if they're just uh, very closely affiliated. I believe them. they do own it. I'll pull that up real okay, quick. I believe they do. I believe you're around that. Uh, so what that basically means is, you know, with this new corporation taking over, it means that, uh, 
you know, Talk Sport and the Sun will probably be working very closely together. Uh, Colin Murray is a lifelong Liverpool fan, and as most Liverpool fans know, fuck the Sun. Yeah. Um, the Sun, of course, ran horrible, horrible lies and headlines um, after the uh, after the Hillsborough disaster in 1989, uh, going as far as claiming that Liverpool fans were uh, stealing mm-hmm. out of the pockets of dead people on the field. Headline uh, to the truth. And, and urinating and uh, trying to stop police from helping those in, in need. Um, and that, that's, what, that's a lot of what this justice for the 96 has been about for the last near 30 years. A lot of it was uh, perpetuated and put out into the public by the sun. So any true Liverpool fan worth his salt knows that, you know, A, you don't trust the sun, B, you don't buy the sun, and C, fuck the sun. Fuck the code. And that is why Colin Murray has uh, basically resigned from his job. Hmm? Because he has a code of ethics and he has a conviction. And he said as a Liverpool fan, he he cannot work at a place where he's going to have to uh, associate with the sun. Hmm? So, um, you know, from one red to another, nothing but respect for Colin Murray. I've, I've liked, I like listening to his show. Um, when I get the chance to listen to it some, it's a good show. Um, he's very knowledgeable. The Northern Irishman um, was offered a new contract through 2019. Mm-hmm. He said, nope, don't want it. I'm out of here. So uh, just, uh, you know, in, in, in a world where most people are just like, oh, well, you know, it's my job and it's my money and, you know, whatever. I'll, you know, I'll get rid of some of my values mm-hmm. to get paid. This guy stood up for his values and, you know, walked out of maybe the number one sports radio job in all of Britain. Well, if he's not a fan of getting paid, um, he can join the Foreign Affair podcast. As a, as a Liverpool fan, you can reach out to him. Oh, golly, we can have the best of discussions. One of us would know what they're talking about. It would be him. <laughs> and I would just say, well, you know who Liverpool's linked with this week? <laughs> And I would say, you know who Tottenham's linked with next week? <laughs> there you go. That's the joke. There you go. So for my Colin Crime West Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Colin Murray, we stand with you. Very, very well done, sir. And we will see you. Hopefully you'll be listening to our episode next week on the A Foreign Affair podcast. Till then, stay safe, guys, and enjoy. Oh, well. Um... Enjoy life because there's no soccer on right now. I don't count MLS. So just enjoy life. Enjoy Pokemon Go. And in honor of the All-Star game, you stay classy, San Diego. Mm. Yes. You know, it took me a while to figure out, uh, or or find really, because I didn't figure it out, why the American League was the home team in San Diego. But I found it, so... Well, I didn't know... I, I literally did not watch one pitch last night. Why
Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. 